Okay, so in this podcast series, we're going to be talking about the central and peripheral neurophysiology. So neurophysiology basically means how our nervous systems are working in human body. Physiology is the working, the functional mechanism, and neuro is related to the nervous system. So now basically talking about our central nervous system which consists of the brain and the spinal cord. So if we compare it to a computer processor, it's linked to that command center for most of the functions of the body, if not all. Okay? And the peripheral nervous system are like the cable wires. Okay, they are distributing from the central and it will transfer all our critical data from our central nervous system to our body. And then it will also bring back the information from the body to the CNS. So this entire computer system, that is this entire neuros physiology, is a very delicately integrated and a sophisticated mechanism that is designed to make appropriate adjustments to each and every inputs and outputs that we are getting so that it allows the best for an individual or the organism to react and to adapt to the changes in the environment. Environment may be both external and the internal environment. Internal environment refers to the homeostasis of our body, like the internal mechanisms of our heart, of our lungs, or the internal levels of various amino acids, glucose, lipids, all these things, or the arterial blood pressure, something like this. And this is a continuous process, it keeps on happening. Okay, now, and the external environment refers to the sensations, the sensory systems that we get, all the stimulus from the external environment. It also helps us to maintain our posture and to permit the locomotion, okay? And we also use the very fine motor control in our hands, you know, that we need a gross motor or the fine motor control. Okay, with the fine motor control, you can create those immensely beautiful pieces of art, that is somatomotor system. Automate in the homeostasis, as I mentioned, by the autonomic nervous system. And most important, it helps us to regulate the transitions between when we are asleep and when we are wakeful. That means the wake sleep cycle, okay, the consciousness. And finally, the higher cortical functions. Now, what are the higher cortical functions of the brain are like memory, okay, to recall the past events and to be able to communicate with the outside world, all of these understanding, emotions, the limbic system that occurs. So now, through this podcast series, we'll be going to deal with neurophysiology and describe the fundamental properties and the abilities, okay, all the constitutional capabilities of the neural systems that will allow us to control these various, various physiological functions. So many other fields like neurology, neurosurgery, clinical psychology, all of these are equally important in building a foundation for neurophysiology. Okay. So, now coming up to why do someone usually seek the medical attention or why does any individual goes to the clinician? So, basically it may be due to they are in pain, okay. So, severe and chronic, for, chronic is long-lasting, okay. So, chronic pain involves the rewiring of the neural circuits that can result in very unpleasant kind of sensation from even a simple touch to the skin. So it's a devastating health problem and it affects so much so that every 1 in 10 Americans seem to be suffering from chronic pain. So within our past decade or so, now there are 
very remarkable and commendable advancements made in understanding how these activities are altered in individuals and what are the receptors types that are unique to this nociceptive pathways. Now, what are the nociceptive pathways? We'll be dealing later. So, for now, for the time being, we just need to know that nociceptive pathways are those highways by which the pain sensations, the feelings of those unpleasant sensations, the pain is transferred to our complex neurophysiology. All right. So these findings have helped us to an expanding field of research that helps us to develop very, very novel therapies that specifically target the synaptic transmission, Okay, the synaptic transmission in the central pathways and the periphery transduction of the senses. Okay. So this is quite a, a little bit of understandable of the idea that why some people do not get pain relief from even anesthetics or some or even strong pain relievers like morphine. So these are the researches that will make the breakthroughs if we are able to understand how the brain and the community and our body have a very sophisticated and a beautifully integrated communication with each other. So now talking about chronic pain, now we have um, about more than 700 or 600 known neurological disorders. Nearly 50 million people in the US and an estimated 1 billion people worldwide suffer from effects of damage to the CNS or the PNS. CNS is our central nervous system and PNS is the peripheral one. So each year about 7 million people die of a neurological disorder or its complications. So what are the neurological disorders like genetic diseases? Hunting tongues, demyelinating diseases like the multiple sclerosis okay, that will uh, attack on the myelination of the nerve fibers and uh, developmental disorders like the cerebral palsy or there might be some degenerative changes okay, as a very specific type of neurons that we're talking about in the Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and some uh, neurotransmitters imbalance diseases like the depression, anxiety and the eating disorders or the injuries you know following the traumas with the spinal cord and head injuries or sometimes the one with having the convulsive disorders like the epilepsy so the neurological complications are also associated with the cerebrovascular problems like the stroke or when we are exposed to some neurotoxic chemicals like the nerve gases mushroom poisoning and all these pesticides so finally uh, to sum it up all now advances in today's time of the stem cell biology and the brain imaging techniques all right so we have a greater understanding of the basis of the synaptic plasticity of the brain about how the brain reconciles the information and integrates it to give us the consciousness that we need so we have a whole new treasure of knowledge about the regulation of receptors and the release of neurotransmitters the detection of the genetic and molecular defects all of them that leads to the, all of the neurological problems contributing to the advancements that we have made so far in understanding the pathophysiology of many, many diseases. And we also have a beautiful, beautiful stage set for identifying better therapies to prevent, reverse and stabilize the physiological deficits that causes these neurological disorders. Thank you so very much. So in the next podcast, we'll be dealing about the somatosensory transmission, basically talking about the temperature, pain and the touch sensation. Thank you so much. Welcome everyone to this audio series of the neurophysiology. So the first thing that we are going to deal with is the somatosensory neurotransmission.
Somatosensory. Soma means our body, and sensory means the senses that we feel. Okay? And neurotransmission means the transformation of those signals to our nervous system. Okay? So, in this, we'll be talking about touch, pain, and temperature sensation. Touch, we have got the hard touch and the, you know, the soft and the hard touch. Pain, and of course, the temperature, the cold and the warm sensations. How do our body communicates these type of sensations to the brain? So normally when um, we were in school, when we were kids, when we used to talk about the senses, we basically had the five senses. The eyes for vision, the ears for hearing, the tongue for taste, for the nose for the smelling and the skin for the touch, right? But these uh, dictum, this protocol comes only into account when these senses reach our consciousness. Now this is the point to understand, alright? There are many, many, many sensory receptors that relay the information about the environment, external and the internal environment, to the central nervous system. But not all of them can reach our consciousness. Alright. So, for example, like, even our muscle fiber, even our muscle spindles, our muscle fibers, they will provide information about their length, their elasticity, their tonicity. Now, our arteries, they will provide the information about the arterial blood pressure, the concentration of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the blood, you know, the pH of our blood, all of these informations will be given to our brain, to our central nervous system, to the brain and the spinal cord, but they do not reach our consciousness. That means we are not aware of it. The only senses that reaches our consciousness and we are aware of it are the five senses that we read in our primary school, that is sight, touch, hearing, smell and taste. So we have a lot of sensory modalities, very very overly simplified by this. Okay, so we're talking about the touch sensation. Okay, touch is also a kind of somatosensory sensation. And it, the receptor class is the cutaneous mechanoreceptor. Cutaneous means relating to our skin. Mechanoreceptors, okay? So there are five types. The first one is our normal hair follicle receptors. Okay, we have the hair follicles in our body. And they will, the stimulus for this is the motion. Okay, whenever there's a motion over the hair follicles, it gives us the somatosensory information. The second one is the mesonerous corpuscles. Mesonerous corpuscles are responsible are excited by the tap or a small flutter of about 5 to 40 hertz. Then comes the Pacinian carpuscles which are referring to the deep pressure or the vibration sensations, 60 to 300 hertz. And then we have the Raffinese carpuscles, okay, which are referred to sustained pressure for a long time. And finally the Merkel cells which respond to touch and pressure. Now the second thing is proprioception relating to the vibration. Okay, the relating to this, we have two kind of things, which is the muscle spindles and the Golgi tendon organ. These both are responsible for the proprioception modality, and these also are the mechanoceptors, muscle spindles and the Golgi tendon organ. Muscle spindles have react to the stimulus of stretch, and Golgi tendon organs react to the stimulus of tension. For temperature. We have the thermal stimulus, heat as the stimulus, and for this we have warm and cold receptors. Okay, they are thermoceptors. For the pain, okay, for the pain, the stimulus may be chemical, thermal, or mechanical. So hence we have chemoceptors, thermoceptors, or mechanoceptors. And for this we have got the nociceptors, okay, polymodal receptors. Then comes the one for the itching. Itching is basically due to chemicals, right? So we have the chemoreceptors, chemo chemical nociceptors. 
Now coming to the ones that reaches our consciousness that are the basic dictum line of senses that we know about. The visual, the vision, okay, the vision by the rods and cones, the photoceptors that, is more, that reacts to the stimulus of light. Then comes the hair cells, okay, hair cells for balance. For the balance, we have got two types. We have the mechanoceptors, the semicircular canals and the otolith organs. Semicircular canals reacts to the angular acceleration and the otolith organs reacts to the linear acceleration including the gravity and these both helps us in maintaining the balance in the vestibular system. For the hearing, we have the hair cells in the cochlea which acts as the mechanoreceptors and respond to sound. For taste or for the gustatory system, we have the test buds which acts as chemoreceptors and for the olfactory system, we have the olfactory sensory neurons which acts as chemoreceptors again for smell. So, talking about, um, let's take an example of vision, for, for example, the light. So, in eyes, we have got the photoreceptors, which are our rods and the cones, and they will respond maximally to different wavelengths of light, right? So, for example, you know, rods are typically adapted to scotopic vision, and cones are adapted for bright light vision or photopic vision. And we have three types of cones also, also, like, you know, for each of the three primary colors, red, green, and blue. For the taste, we have five modalities, like sweet, salt, shower, bitter, and umami. For the sounds, we have also different pitches are heard primarily because we have different group of ear cells which are responsible and which are minimally, which are maximally excited by a given frequency of sound waves, okay, in the cochlea. So now sensory receptors, we can imagine them as transducers. The transducers are basically those devices that convert one form of energy to the another. So these sensory receptors will convert the energy of the environment into action potentials in our sensory neurons. The cutaneous receptors for touch and pressure are mechanoceptors. Proprioceptors are located in muscle tendons and joints. Okay, as we just talked about, they relay information about muscle length and tension. Thermoceptors for warm and cold, potentially harmful stimuli like pain, extreme heat, extreme cold by nociceptors. Chemoceptor refers to that is uh, stimulated by change in chemical composition of the environment in which they are located. So they might include taste and smell and other visual receptors like you know the sensitive changes that one react with that reacts to stimulus in the sensitive changes like in plasma oxygen level, the pH and the osmolality. Okay, now um, in this um, podcast series, after this overview, now we are going to deal about the primary characteristics of cutaneous receptors that mediate the sensation of touch, pain, pressure, and temperature. The way they generate impulses in afferent neurons. Afferent neurons are the ones that carry the information towards the central nervous system and all the central pathways that mediate or modulate the information from these receptors. Now, since uh, pain is one of the major uh, requirement a major reasons to be dealt with why you know people go to clinicians so we'll be giving a very considerable amount of time discussing pain in this chapter or in this audio series so thank you so very much now in the next and in the next podcast we'll be talking about the cutaneous mechanoreceptors nociceptors and the thermoceptors Thank you so very much. See you in the next postcards. Have a good time. Alright, so now we're going to discuss about the sensory receptors and the sense organs.
So first of all, the cutaneous mechanoceptors. Okay. So cutaneous means the ones located in our skin. Mechanoceptors means dealing with the mechanical forces, like it might be our touch, proprioception, or even you know hearing and balance. So the cutaneous mechanoreceptors. So basically, sensory receptors are it can be specialized dendritic endings of the nerve fibers and they are often associated with the non-neural cells that surround them and all of them will form a sense organ so basically a sense organ has the sensory receptors sensory receptors can be our all those afferent nerve fibers they are specialized dendritic endings and then the non-neural cells that will give them a support okay and um, for the touch and pressure they are sensed by basically four types of mechanoreceptors that we dealt that we just had a brief introduction about earlier so the first one is the mesonerve corpuscles mesonerve corpuscles are those that will react to the changes in the texture and the slow vibrations so those are encapsulated dendrites located in our connective tissues the second one is the merkel cells merkel cells are the expanded arboricated dendritic endings and they respond to sustained pressure and touch. Third one is the Ruffini corpuscles. Ruffini corpuscles are the last dendritic endings again with elongated capsules and they will react to sustained pressure. And finally, we have the fourth type that is the Pacinian corpuscles, which has the unmyelinated dendritic endings of the sensory nerve fiber. Very, very thin, about 2 micrometers in diameter, and it is encapsulated by a concentric lamella of connective tissue. So that the organ so that the organ is given an appearance that looks like a cocktail onion okay so all these receptors respond to deep pressure and fast vibration the sensory nerves from these mechanoceptors are very very highly myelinated and they are large and they are known as a alpha and a beta fibers and the conduction velocities are about 70 to 120 meters per second for a alpha fibers and 40 to 75 meters per second for a beta fibers respectively okay now coming to the thermoceptors thermoceptors are the ones that deals with touch i mean sorry it deals with temperature hot and cold so cold scepters or cool receptors are on the dendritic endings of A delta and C fibers, alright? Whereas warm receptors are the C fibers, alright? So innocuous cold receptors for A delta and C, and innocuous warmth receptors are on the C fibers. So we have very, very mapping experiments going on that shows that our skin has discrete, are very specific spots for heat sensitivity and the cold sensitivity. So, we have about 4 to 10 times as many cold sensitive as heat sensitive spots. That means our body is more sensitive to cold. About 4 to 10 times we have more receptors for that. So, the threshold for activation of warmth receptors is 30 degrees Celsius. Alright. The optimum is considered about tw around 25 degrees Celsius. So, when our the temperature reaches 30 degrees Celsius, the threshold for warmth is activated. And they increase their firing rate, their action potential, when the skin temperature reaches to 46 degrees Celsius. Whereas the cold receptors are inactivate at the temperatures of 40 degrees in Celsius. But then they start increasing as their firing rate 
when the skin temperature falls to about 24 degrees Celsius. So as the skin temperature further continues to decline, the firing rate of the cold receptors also decreases. Now this is our nickel until the temperature reaches below 10 degrees Celsius. Below that temperature, they are inactive and cold becomes an effective local anesthetic. All right. The receptor that is actively moderated cold is TRPM8 receptor, where M stands for menthol, the ingredient in mint. Okay, that gives it a cool test. So the TRP for cold, you can remember it this way, TRPM8. And TRPV4, receptors are activated by warm receptors up to 34 degrees. And above that, like talking about temperature from 35 to 39 degrees Celsius, we have the TRPV3 receptors that respond to little higher temperatures. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast about mechanoceptors, cutaneous mechanoceptors and thermoceptors. Now, in the next podcast, we'll be dealing in detail about the nocere receptors, that is the pain receptors. Thank you so much. See you in the next podcast. Have a good time. All right, I welcome you all to the next episode in this podcast series. So today we'll be talking about the nocere receptors on the pain receptors. So some cutaneous sensory receptors are not very specialized organs, but they are simply just no free endings okay free endings of the nerve some okay so those are the unmyelinated dendrites of the sensory neurons okay which are carrying the sensations for pain and temperature and they are located throughout our glabrous and the hairy skin on the deep tissue so in the skin the glabrous screen are those which are devoid of any hair follicles like the skin of our palms and our soles and also the hairy skins and the deep tissue so all of them have some unmyelinated dendrites of the sensory neurons okay which will modulate the pathways or sensations for the pain and temperature so pain receptors or nociceptors are different types mechanical responding to strong pressure like from a sharp object thermal which are activated by this very intense heat or cold like temperature over 42 is a very severe cold chemically sensitive nociceptors like responding to various chemical or environmental irritants high acidities histamine bradykinins and um, we have polymodal nocere receptors which will react to the combination of all of these types of stimuli. Now, re- the most important thing here is that the impulses from these nocere receptors are transmitted via two types of fibers. The first one is the thinly myelinated A delta fibers. The diameter is about 2 to 5 micrometers and the conduction rate of about 12 to 35 meters per second. And the second one is the unmyelinated C fibers. Unmyelinated C fibers have a small diameter of about 0.4 to 1.2 micrometers and that conduct at a very, very slow rates of 0.5 to 2 meter per second. Alright, so the activation of A delta fibers is responsible for the first pain or the first or the epicritic pain. Alright, and this will release the glutamate and this will give us a very fast response. Alright, and it helps us to understand or mediate the discriminative aspect of pain so that we are able to localize what is the site and what is the intensity of the stimulus, the noxious stimulus that you are experiencing. Whereas the activation of the C fibers, which will release uh, glutamate and also substance P, it is responsible for the delayed type of pain, the second pain or the slow pain or the protopathic pain. 
which is quite dull, intense, diffuse and unpleasant feeling associated with the noxious stimulus like itches and tickle are also related to pain sensation. We'll be talking about this in the next segment. So there are a variety of receptors located on the endings of these nociceptive sensory nerves okay? that responds to all of our stimuli. Maybe it may it be thermal, mechanical or chemical. So, many of these are a part of the family of the non-selective cation channels, known as the TRP channels, non-receptive, non-selective cation channels. TRP stands for transient receptor potential channels, which includes TRPV1. Okay, TRPV1 receptors, the V refers to the group of chemicals known as the vanilloids. Okay, and these are activated by intense heat acid. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Sorry. Okay. So, the TRPV1 receptors, where the V stands for the vanilloids, a group of chemicals, they are activated by intense heat acids or chemicals like capsaicin, which are the active principle of hot peppers and also a vanilloid. So, these receptors can also be activated by indirectly by an indirect mechanism where the initial activation is of the TRPV3 receptors which are located in the keratinocytes in the skin. So all of the noxious mechanical, cold and chemical stimuli may activate the TRPA1 receptors where A is for enchiring on the sensory nerve endings. And now the sensory nerve endings also have some receptors known as ASIC which are acid sensing ion channel receptors which are activated by pH changes within a physiological range and it may be the dominant receptors mediating the acid induced pain. So the direct activation of receptors on nerve endings is important and, I needed in, and in addition to that, some nociceptive stimulus release the intermediate molecules that will further activate the receptors on the nerve ending. For example, the nociceptive mechanical stimulus can also release ATP, which is our energy currency of the cell, adenosine triphosphate, that acts on purinergic receptors. Purinergic receptors, like for example, we have the P2X, which is an anotopic receptor, P2Y, which is a G-protein coupled receptor. And we have some nerve growth factors, NGF, which activates the tyrosine receptor kinase A, that is released as a result of tissue damage. So basically, all these nerve endings have a variety of receptors that respond to immune mediators that are released in response to any kind of tissue injury. So it may include B1 and B2 receptors for bradykinin, prostanoid receptors for prostaglandins, and cytokine receptors for interleukins. So these receptors mediate the inflammatory pain. So I think that's all for this podcast in the next podcast we'll be talking about each and trickle thank you so much have a nice time hello everyone so in this podcast we'll be talking briefly about itches and tickle what's that itching also known as puritis is not quite a major problem for us healthy people but which uh, we have severe itching that might be difficult to treat and it occurs in some form of diseases like chronic kidney disease or liver disease, atopic dermatitis or even in HIV. So especially in the areas where many free endings of unmyelinated nerve fibers are present, we might have itch spots that can be identified on the skin if we carefully map it. So we also have some itch specific fibers 
okay in the ventrolateral spinothalamic tract so this evidence suggests that there is an existence of the each specific pathway as well so relatively mild stimulation especially if it's produced by something moving across the skin it can produce our itching and tickle so basically it is quite interesting to consider that tickling is usually regarded as something pleasurable people enjoy it but itching is annoying and unpleasant okay itching is annoying pain is unpleasant but tickling is tickling sensation is quite uh, pleasurable so itching can not only be produced by repeated local mechanical stimulation of the skin but also by some chemical agents like histamine and bradykinins that are released when the skin reacts to tissue damage so kinin will exert their effects by activation of two g protein type couple receptors p1 and p2 an activation of the bradykinin b2 receptors is a downstream event okay it's an event that occurs in the activation of the pr2 pr2 which is a protease activated receptor 2 activation so this induces both a pain pathway and the itch pathway that is the nociceptive and the purogenic response so just to give us some some therapeutic inclination of this so simple scratching relieves itching because it activates a large why do you know we just uh, give a simple scratch and it relieves our itching because it activates the afferent nerve systems okay which are the large and the fast conducting ones which helps to transmit in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord which is a mechanism quite similar to the one by inhibition of pain by stimulus of the similar afferents and we have some you know antihistaminics which are primarily effective in reducing itching or pruritus associated with allergic reaction so in a mouse model okay with some experiment we show that the scratching behavior in response to activation of pr2 the treatment with a b2 receptor antagonist reduced the scratching behavior so that might be a useful therapy for treating the puriginous conditions or the itching conditions so i think that's it for this podcast so thank you so very much for listening to this have a nice time take care bye